be in the book of Acts chapter 1. And we're going to talk a little bit tonight about building of the kingdom. And we'll be in Acts chapter 1, uh, starting in verse 6. Acts 1, starting in verse 6, and we'll look through verse 11 tonight. Um, and, and what we're talking we're talking about building the kingdom. We often talk about the building of the kingdom and talk about being purely of God. And while it is of God, we have a role we play in that. Um, and a lot of people are accused today, and I heard this term probably in the last year about people being castle builders. That means people are so concerned with building the local body, the local church, getting people in the doors, but they miss the big picture that we're really building the kingdom. So in Acts chapter 1, starting in verse 6, the Bible says, When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the time nor the season which the Father hath put in his own power. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And when he had spoken these things while they beheld, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taking up for you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. Let us pray. Most kind, gracious, heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to preach your word tonight, Lord. We, we Lord, we desire your help tonight, Lord, because we know that we are just a clay vessel, Lord, that we and ourselves and our words can do nothing, Lord, but through your spirit we can do all things, Lord. We pray, Lord, that you give us your words and your thoughts, Lord, that we may do thy will, Lord, and be your mouthpiece, that your spirit go forth and touch the hearts of those that are here. So and be unsaved, Lord, that you would convict them and draw them to salvation. So to be backslidden, Lord, that you draw them closer to you, Lord, and let all of us live closer to you every day. We thank you and praise you for your word. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the gift you give us on the cross of Calvary. In Jesus' name we pray, and amen. As we look at the word tonight, we're going to look at three things about the building of the, of the kingdom. We're going to look at the plan, the mission, and the urgency. The plan, the mission, and the urgency. When we look at verse 6 where we start out tonight, I want you to notice first off that when the disciples are questioning Jesus, Jesus does not rebuke the disciples in any way. Uh, a lot of times we think it's bad to question God. And there are certain things that we shouldn't question God. However, it is not a sin for a child to ask his father something he does not understand. Uh, there's plenty of things in the flesh we don't physically understand of God. And we have to get to a real humble place to get honest with God and ask the Lord to open our eyes to these things. Ask the Spirit to reveal these things in His Word. When I first got saved, and still today, there's so many things I didn't understand. I understand a little bit more than then, uh, but still a lot I don't understand. But as I get into God's Word, it's always a necessity to say, Lord, reveal to me what you mean by what you're saying here. Show me the truth of what you mean here. The disciples are not rebuked because they realize what the Old Testament says, that there was going to be a kingdom, that Israel has been promised that they will rule. However, they're being short-sighted here. They see this kingdom as being a physical kingdom. They believe that the Messiah was going to show up, uh, that he was going to come, he was going to do away with all their enemies, establish a kingdom. Israel was going to rule and reign from there on the spot. That wasn't Jesus' plan. You see, if that was to happen, it left all us Gentiles out. 
It would have been a one-sided kingdom. We wouldn't have had a chance at Jesus Christ because we've been on left on the outside looking in. You see, God's plan was perfect from the beginning. He knew, he knew just how what needed to be done. He knew that the, the Jews rejected Christ, it would open the door into the mission for all us Gentiles to come in. All of this was in God's perfect sovereign plan. None of this was by surprise. None of it was a shock to God. And it made an opportunity for every man, woman, child, no matter the race, no matter the financial state, no matter how you look or the hair color. All of us have an opportunity at salvation. All of us have an opportunity to be a part of that kingdom because of the ascension of Christ, because Christ didn't stay to establish his kingdom just then and there, but he put us into this dispensation of grace that we have an opportunity to buy grace through faith, through the free gift of salvation to receive Jesus Christ. And only through that opportunity can we become a part of this kingdom that they're asking about here. You see, the Old and the New Testament both taught of Christ's kingdom and what is going to come because Christ was going to have an earthly kingdom, but only when the timing was right. You see, Christ does not tell them at this time when the kingdom is going to be established. People, for so long, seems like I've been trying to predict the end of the world. So look, every time we turn around, someone's saying the rapture is going to happen, or this is going to happen, or that's going to happen, and they miss the point that it really doesn't matter when it's going to happen. What matters is that you're right and you're ready to go. I, I plan this summer to take a vacation. Uh, in, in 2020, you can go to the Ark and the Creation Museum. Any kid can get in for free. As long as an adult buys a ticket. So me and Mandy buys a ticket, the kids get to go in for free. So we're going to go up there and spend a few days, take the kids to see the big Ark and all that stuff sometime during the summer. Now, I don't know when I'm going, but I know that I'm going to make sure I have tickets bought and everything lined out, money set aside, that when I get ready to go, I'm ready to go. It's the same thing with eternity. You don't know when that time is going to come, but you better make sure that you're ready to go. You better make sure the oil is in the vessel. In other words, you better make sure that you are saved by, the, by, saved by the grace of God, that you have the Holy Spirit of God, and you're ready to go up with God when, that, when He calls us. You see, that rapture is going to take place, the Bible says, in a twinkling of an eye. That's quicker than a blink, quicker than a second, quicker than a millisecond. And there's going to be plenty of religious people, there's going to be plenty of what we consider good people left here because they have not accepted Jesus Christ, because they have not uh, accepted on the terms of the gospel, because they have not been willing to repent and place their faith in Christ. They place it in works, they place it in everything else, but they have not placed it in Christ. If we look over at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, if I can get flipped over there, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 1, the Bible tells us, it says, But of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. So not only does is he not going to tell you, we don't need him to tell us. Because here's what happens. I've had a lot of people say, you know, I'd love to know when I'm going to die. I do not have any desire to know when I'm going to die. Because here's what happens. You're always waiting then. You're always going to be nervous so that you see that clock constantly ticking down. Wondering when that time is going to come. You see, I like the fact now that I don't know. I live every day to the fullest. I live every day like it's my last. I enjoy every second of my life. I don't worry about things. I just go with what the Lord gives me and take it for what it is. If we knew when this time was going to end, we would live in a constant panic. A constant state of panic. Got to get so and so in. How is the rapture going to be as joyous as what the Bible promises is going to be if you go into it dreading it? Because you know, at that moment, it's getting ready to tick away, and so-and-so is still unsaved. Folks, it's better the way God has given it. God does these things for a purpose. God does these things for a reason. We look at Matthew 24. It gives us another example of that. Matthew 24 and 36. 
the Bible says, But of that day and hour knoweth no man, not even the angels of heaven, but the Father only. So not even the angels or Jesus himself knows when this time is going to come, but the Father knows when this time is. Here's the thing that I've realized about death in the last three years. It's uncontrollable. Here's what I've also realized about eternity. It's uncontrollable. There is not a thing you can do to stop it, to slow it down, to halt it, to nothing. Uh, you can eat good, exercise, diet, take all the uh, supplements, essential oils, or whatever else you believe in that you do. When it comes, it comes. It's up to God. He takes the good, he takes the bad, he takes the young, he takes the old, he takes the rich, he takes the poor. And when the rapture comes and takes place, the born again are going out of here. Those that are unsaved are going to be left behind. Can you imagine the things that are going to take place on this earth? We're in a state of chaos anyways. I mean, shootings in churches, uh, huge, horrible uh, wars overseas, Christians being beheaded and everything else, and the church is still very much prevalent. We're still here. The Holy Spirit is still on this plane of existence. We still have uh, uh, some hold on things here. But when the church is gone out, everything that God has a presence in is gone out of here and the devil is left to wreak havoc upon the earth and God's wrath is poured out upon the evil of the earth. My goodness, my goodness, who would want to be left in that terrifying state? But so many will. No, we don't know the day or the hour, but we're given a lot of signs about when this time is going to come. It's told the Bible describes as a woman is in travail. And it's just like any woman who has had a child, they know when that time delivery is coming close. They don't know the exact moment, but they know when it's coming close. They start preparing for that time. Well, the church should be preparing for that time because the Bible says it will be as it is in the days of Noah. And we look at what's going on around us. We got uh, prevalent homosexuality everywhere, murder and and and, and drug abuse and, and is everything you can imagine taking place. There is no safe spot in the world today. Our kids asked us one time about safety in school, and they said, are we truly safe? And I was real honest that morning because I guess I hadn't had my coffee yet, but I said, are you truly safe anywhere? When you go into Walmart, do you know without a shadow of a doubt you're truly safe? When you go in the gas station, do you know you're truly safe? We're never truly safe. Amen. It's the time in which we're living, folks. The important thing is we better be ready because the future is very uncertain. You see, only the Father, not only does the Father only know, but only the Father has the authority to send back His Son and eventually establish that kingdom for a thousand years after that tribulation period comes to a close. You see, in Revelation 24, it describes the kingdom that is going to come, and this is going to be a literal kingdom. A lot of people want to say this is figurative. They say it's this, it's that. Well, the Bible doesn't bear it. The Bible says it is a literal kingdom. And it says in Revelation 24, And I saw thrones, and they sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls in that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands. They lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. A literal 1,000 years. Folks, that is absolutely... just. Uh, I don't have a word to describe that. The fact that, you know, we don't a lot of times think a whole lot about ourselves here. Sometimes, you know, I, we, we are humble people, I believe, especially being in the Bible Belt and, and country folk. I believe that sort of helps us be a little more humble sometimes. Um, but we're royalty. We have royal blood throwing through, flowing through our veins because we are sons of the King. We are sons of God Most High. We are sons and daughters of the Father. And because that we are co-heirs with Jesus Christ and we will rule and reign with him. You see, the thrones represent 
the, the messianic kingdom. It represents the kingdom of the Messiah, the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Those whom John sees here, they have come to life of the tribulation martyrs who refuse to worship the beast. They're going to rule with Christ for a thousand years, and Christ will rule through three classes of kingdoms. The Old Testament saints we see in Daniel 12, who were resurrected at the time, the apostles, and the church, which we see in Matthew 19, as well as the tribulation saints in Luke. Folks, those who put their faith in Jesus Christ, they may suffer in this world. Uh, we all suffer. The Bible says we're going to be persecuted for Christ's sake. But that time is going to come to a close. It's very temporary. Um, and I know it may seem like, my goodness, what we go through in the flesh, and we truly do. So many people suffer through so many things. But look what God has got prepared for us. Look is what God has waiting for us. And it's not temporary, church. It is forever. It is eternal. You see, we are created not for just a moment in time. We are created to be eternal creatures that live forever somewhere. Heaven or hell. And for those of us that have chose Jesus Christ, for those of us who have placed our faith in Him, our kingdom will be a kingdom where we are not going to just be mild servants that are humbly walking around with our head down to our feet. It's going to be royalty. We'll be a part of that new heaven and new earth, that new Jerusalem where Jesus Christ will be the light of that city. You see, we look at verse 8 and 9. We're told how we're going to build this kingdom. And folks... Yes, God is the one who establishes the kingdom. Yes, God is the one that converts a sinner. Yes, God, but we have a purpose in this plan here. You see, our power to build this kingdom rests in the Holy Ghost. And we see that the power there, as it says in verse 8, comes upon us when the Holy Spirit comes upon the believer. You may have not felt it. You may have not seen it. But when you were saved, when you were born again, that Holy Spirit of God came to live within you, to reside within you, to never leave you, to never forsake you, and to be with you always no matter where you are. In Luke 24, 49, Jesus says, And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the sea of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. Jesus told them this power was coming in Jerusalem. He's promised this. And here they are waiting for that upper room moment that's getting ready to come where the Holy Ghost comes to rest within them. You see, a lost person cannot reach a lost person. Some people call it an anointing. And that's the word you want to use. That's fine. But what it really is is just the Holy Ghost working through you. The Holy Spirit. When There is something to be said about believers in fellowship. I enjoy being with people, period. I like, I like being around folks. I like sitting at the gas station talking. I just like talking to people. But there is something special about when two believers get together and have a moment together, just talk, fellowship. To, to, when you shake hands, you can feel that connection. It, I, I can't describe it in words, but it's there because your spirits match. You have the same spirit in you as within that person because it's the same Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is what gives you the power to reach a lost and dying world. It's not going to be through smooth talk. It's not going to be through convincing or, or, or fancy words, but through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the beautiful thing for preaching God's Word. So many times, and, and, and I've heard Brother Leroy say the same thing when he preached. You get down and you, and you sit and you think, I wish I threw this in or I wish I'd done this. And you, but you know the beautiful part of all that reassures all of us that teaches or preaches. We realize that even when we're not perfect, God is. The Holy Spirit is there. The Holy Ghost is working. The Holy Ghost is doing what it's designed to do. It's bringing people into that kingdom. Bringing souls into the fold. It's not, again, it's not about us, but it's all about the working of God. You see, here Jesus is giving a command. He's not commanding us to be perfect. He's not commanding us to be religious. 
He's commanding us to evangelize. And I want you to take note here. He's not just talking to one specific people. We get real big and saying, well, the evangelist. The evangelist is coming. The evangelist is doing this. and We need evangelists. God gives us evangelists. The Bible says that. But all of us should be evangelists. There's people putting all of our realms of influence that we can evangelize. We can give the gospel. We can reach out and we can plant seeds of the word and let God give that increase. You see, God's command here to evangelize the entire world. And we fulfill that, number one, through our actions. When we go out and we leave this church and do the work that you are called to do. And number two, through our supportive missions. And I believe in missions. Uh, we, you know, we got our, our brothers, the Pritchards, who are working uh, overseas and, and so many others that we support. And, and they're doing a good work in spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ around the world as we've been commanded by the Bible to do. Notice Jesus doesn't say, I would like if you did or you, it'd be nice if you did. He tells them to go to the uttermost parts of the earth and to witness, to spread the gospel. And we need to ask ourselves the question sometimes is, what kind of witness are we to be? And we look at Luke 24, verse 46 through 48. We are told exactly what witness they're talking about there. Luke 24, 46 through 48. I know I got you doing a little bit of flipping tonight. I figured maybe some exercise for the fingers. Luke 24, 46 through 48. The Bible says, And he said, Then thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer, and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and remissions of sin should be preached in his name among all nations, being at Jerusalem, and ye are the witnesses of this thing. That's not complicated. Man, we, we make it so complicated. We talk to, we try to get on conversations about uh, all this controversial doctrinal stuff sometimes that people want to talk about that really... Until if they're lost, it don't matter anyways. It don't amount to a hill of beans when they're unsaved. But we can just get a hold of this right here. To repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, have all your sins forgiven. I mean, anybody can understand that. Small children can understand that. Old Anyone can understand that. If we let them know, listen, it don't matter when the rapture is going to take place. It don't matter what you believe about this or believe about that right now. What matters... Have you believed in the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you had your sins washed away? Are you part of the family of God? Is your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life? Have you been born again? Don't care what denomination you attend. Don't care where you get where where you go or whatever. Ha- has this happened to you? Have you had a born again experience? Anything else is secondary to that one fact. That is the message we spread. You don't have to memorize scripture. I believe it's good to memorize scripture. I think we ought to hide it in our hearts to, that we might use it when we need it. But I think we, if we can just t- tell them the, what the gospel message is, tell them what God done to us when he saved us, share our testimony with them, and let them know that God loves them, that God wants to save them. If we do those things, these folks will become part of this kingdom, this kingdom that's prophesied that's going to take place all the way over in the book of Revelation. You see, when you look at verse 9, we see an attitude there, an attitude that the disciples, they're listening here to Christ. And we too should be listening to the command of Christ here that we realize that it is not an option to be soul winners. It is not an option uh, whether we are actively involved with Christ. So many times we look at what we do in our Christian walk and think, well, I'm attending church. Uh, Maybe uh, you take communion, maybe whatever, and you think you're doing a lot. But in reality, we all need to do more. We all need to be those soul winners. John 10, 
25, Jesus is speaking. He says, Jesus answered them and said, I told you, and ye believe not the works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But ye believe not, because ye are not of my sheep, as I said unto you. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, never, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man be able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. So because we are... But part of God's or Jesus' sheepfold. We know he is our shepherd. And this is the cool thing about sheep. We've talked about sheep a lot in the last two services, but man, sheep, there's a lot of lessons with those sheep. I heard a, uh, a story of a gentleman went to Jerusalem one time, and he there were shepherds there in this countryside. And when these shepherds came together, their sheep was all intermingled. The shepherds were talking about whatever. The sheep were intermingled, and he, and he said he really wanted to see how they got these sheep figured out, whose sheep belonged to who. But it was amazing because when the shepherds parted ways, they called and their sheep went right back to the right shepherd. They knew who they belonged to. Church, we are the same way. We are the sheep of Jesus Christ. We know who our shepherd is. He is our shepherd. And when he, when he calls us, hearkens us to do something, it is important that we listen and do these things, that we are soul winners for Jesus Christ, that we are reaching out and touching folks with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You may say, well, I've never been successful doing that. God never doesn't ask you to be successful. He asks you to do it. He's the one who's going to give the conversion if it takes place. You just have to present the gospel. Uh, I guarantee if we actually looked at the full story of Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Paul, and all the rest of them, plenty of people didn't accept the gospel. Plenty of people turned against the gospel. You see, we see in verse 10 and 11, this is important that we not only do this, we do it urgently. Unlike the sudden appearances and disappearances that happened since the resurrection, this time we see Christ is gradually, slowly, and finally ascending into heaven. However, we know the day is going to come. He will return. And we read about it in Zechariah chapter 14, verse 4, where we see a promise given about this prophecy. And the prophet Zechariah tells us in 14.4, where he says, And at his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east, and the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof toward the east and toward the west. And there shall be a very great valley, and half of the mountain shall remove toward the north and half of it toward the south. He is ascending on the Mount of Olives as he ascended. And a day is going to come when physically, we're not talking about the rapture, we're talking about the physical return of Christ. And he will physically return back to earth and put his feet on the Mount of Olives to establish that thousand-year reign of Christ. And if you think that ain't cool enough, we look at what science says. It talked about those two mountains there in Zechariah moving. Scientists have studied that. And right now there is a fault line going between those two mountains. I mean, it's there. I don't care if you're a Christian, a Buddhist, atheist, what you are. That fault line is physically there and can be seen uh, through the studies they've done. That it could be very easily an earthquake could take place there and separate those two mountains just as Zechariah prophesied about. I don't know a lot about Zechariah and his time, but I would guarantee he had nothing to study that with. But he knew that fault line was going to be there. God gave it to him. He told him it's going to take place. And because of that, he wrote about it in his book. And now science is bearing it out. But see, when he returns to earth, he is not just going to return as this suffering Savior. He's not going to return as a meek and mild man. He'll be returning as the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. He'll be the line of the tribe of Judah at that point, And he will set things right 
And we won't have to worry about the evils of this world any longer or the things that are taking place today because Christ will be the authority over all these things. Daniel chapter 7 verse 13 talks about this where he says, And I saw in the night vision, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. And there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all the people, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. And his kingdom, that which shall not be destroyed. Folks, there's a lot of wars in this world. There's a lot of evil, a lot of people trying to undo the good of this world. But a day is going to come when none of that's going to matter because Jesus Christ is going to be the ruler of all the world. Uh, You won't have to worry about any of these foreign dictators or anything else that are trying to destroy and trying to uh, trample the gospel because Jesus Christ is going to put all of them underfoot. Uh, We don't have to worry about um, someone who says that we can't talk about Jesus anymore or can't preach about Jesus anymore because Jesus is going to be taking care of all things at that point in time. And it won't be for a second, but be for that thousand-year reign of Christ. What a beautiful time is it going to be when not only do we have Christ, but we don't have to worry about these things we worry about today. Folks, do not be discouraged. These things are temporary. It just shows how God works. I listen. I wrote this sermon toward the beginning of the week. Who to know that we'd have the, the violence we had break out in the last few days? But it shows God knew what was coming. And I think so many times I, I'm just as bad as anyone to turn on the news because I, I, I don't have the attention span for a lot of TV shows. So I turn on the news so I can zone in and out and I don't miss a whole lot. And it's easy to get beaten to death by that news, regardless what channel you watch, because there's so much bad happening. But folks, for us, the church, we got a beautiful eternity awaiting us. We have heaven, eternity with Christ, eternity without pain, eternity without torment, eternity without suffering, eternity with perfection in the presence of God and all those have done went home to be with the Lord. I pray if you've not made that decision tonight,